super. Philippians chapter 4, um, chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. Uh, tonight, winning over worry, winning over worry, something that uh, doesn't matter what point of life you're in, what stage of life you're in, um, worry can overtake you. And so this is a, this is a passage that, that we can use um, all through life. So let me just grab here. Thank you, sweetheart, for my reading glasses. All right. Yeah. Amen. That's right. Chapter 4. Let's read this together. Um, you know, as we read this, let's just think together. As, um, if you're a believer, this is the Word of God that, that changes us, guides us, um, keeps us straight. It... Um, allows us to uh, go through the journey um, with as less holes to fall in as possible, right? He's a good, good God. Chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9, I'll be reading for the NIV. It says this, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syndike to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and ask you, loyal yoke fellow, Help these women who have contended by my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to tell you, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the strength of your word. Thank you how you want to guide this this morning, this evening. Father, we pray as the Holy Spirit wants to guide us, wants to counsel us, this evening. Father, we pray we'll be hearers and doers of your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, if, if there was ever a thief to steal away the joy of our life, uh, it would be worry. It would be anxiety. And uh, if there was anyone who had an excuse to worry, I think Apostle Paul would be right at the top of that list. Here, even in this passage, um, uh, his Christian friends right here in Philippi, he, the people he had loved or he loved, uh, they were disagreeing with one another, and he was not there to help them. And also, uh, you know, we don't know what Yodia and uh, Syndicate were disputing about in, in these verses. But the context of Philippians is having a joy-filled life. That's the context. And, and Paul here, he talks about anxiety, 
worry immediately after he mentions these ladies' names. So at least we can say that anxiety or worry could have been one of the factors that these ladies dealt with in the church. But whatever it was, it was bringing division in the church. And um, along with uh, this uh, potential division in Philippi, you also had, uh, at the same time, you had division in the church of Rome that Paul was dealing with. And uh, even on top of these two layers of possible worry, you had the possibility of, of Paul's Death that could could occur at, at any time. So Paul had a great excuse. If, if, if one was going to worry, Paul was one that would have a great excuse to worry. But he didn't. Instead, he took time to explain to us the secret of having victory over worry. And that's exactly what he outlines here in this passage. And I I'm excited about showing you the steps that he shows the church of Philippi how to overcome or have victory over worry. But let's look at worry. What is worry in Scripture? The Greek word translated anxious uh, in verse 6 means literally to, to pull in different directions. So our, our hopes pull us in one direction while our fears pull us in the opposite direction. And then we're, we're pulled apart. The old English root where we, we get the word worry means literally to strangle. And worry has many consequences, physically, mentally, etc. Some of those are, you know, headaches, neck pains, ulcers, back pains. But worry affects our thinking, to be able to think correctly at times. Even uh, our digestive system, it affects our coordination even um, it affects. Now, at first glance, if, as we read uh, this passage, um, at first glance, at least to, to verses 2 and 3, we may say to ourselves, wow, you know, here's two ladies, again, who are immature Christians who are disagreeing in the church on petty things. That's what we would say if we were just kind of reading through the passage. And we'd probably say, you know, I wish they would grow up. The fact is, that's not the case. Actually, what we have here is two mature believers who are disagreeing on something in the church. These, these women, not only does Paul say whose names are in the book of life, but for Paul to even say that statement, you'd have to agree that Paul's probably seen firsthand fruit in these ladies' life in order for him to say to the entire church, right, that these ladies are in Christ, that's something you just don't kind of throw out, especially with Paul. And if you think about Paul and his 13 letters, know anything about Paul, if, if Paul calls you a believer, then the chances are you probably are because, you know, Paul is this guy who's, you know, he's been beaten and we can go through the list, right? Paul's this guy who's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned even to the point where he was left for dead. You know, Paul's the one who also, he, he left or split away with Barnabas and John Mark I think because uh, he didn't see the maturity in John Mark like he should have, and they split ways. And here Paul not only affirms these ladies in salvation, but on top of that, he brags about how they have labored in Christ next to him. This is kind of sobering for us because, again, these are not two ladies who are new in their faith. These are two ladies who are having a conflict in the church. So, we have these two ladies who have conflict in the church. 
which tells us at any time as believers, we're not exempt for the same thing happened in our lives. And Paul addresses this, and it's connected with worry. So there's three things that stand out more than anything else in this passage, and that's this, rejoice. Paul says rejoice. He says gentle, be gentle with others, each other. And three, which we're going to spend most of the time with, is having victory over worry through prayer. So if you look at verse 4, Paul, he tells us here, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, the Greek word there, always, it's, it's all the time. It's every point of your life, no matter if it's good times or bad times. It's literally, literally at all times. Paul even repeats himself, like we said, even after that. It's almost like he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And it's almost like someone asks him a question. Are, are you sure, even through persecution, even through this or that situation, where Paul says, again, I tell you, rejoice in the Lord. He can say this to believers because our joy doesn't depend on changing circumstances, right? But our joy is on the one person who doesn't change, right? Absolutely. So said another way, our, our joy doesn't come from this world or the things of this world, but it comes from someone. So that means whatever situation that we may bear, whatever problems we have in life, whatever that is, our joy comes from someone rather than situations. Our joy comes from a different place than we live. And if we want to conquer worry and experience the peace that God has for us in our lives, there's three things that Paul wants us to practice that he spells out here that I want to show you this evening. Number one, Paul shows us in verses 6 and 7, he shows us you've got to have right praying. You've got to have right praying. It affects us. It's so important to Paul, this praying, <laughs> that he says it in three different ways. You know, like in Isaiah, when, it's, when it talks about God, it says, it doesn't say he's holy. It doesn't say he's holy, holy, but it says he's holy, holy, holy. You know what I'm talking about? So there's this repetition that shows that we need to have our ear to what's taking place. And Paul here, he uses the word prayer again, three different ways, to make a point to us. This is really important. Don't miss this. In the NIV, it's, it's prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And the first word prayer, it's, it's a general word for prayer, meaning devotion or worship. And what he's saying there is, so, so when we find ourselves in a state of worry, our first action ought to be to get alone with God and worship Him. And when we, when we worship Him, we, we move our thoughts to the greatness of God and that He is a caring God. And then we begin to move our minds away from worry and in the right direction. This is really important first step because we, we must, as believers, we, we must realize that he's big enough to solve our problems, whatever worry that is. So, so Paul is saying the first step in winning over worry, the first step in having victory over worry is right praying. 
and that right praying is, is worship. We've, we've got to, we must see the greatness of God in our lives. Uh, one reason we don't experience the peace of God is because we, we don't have our lives focused on God. Uh, Paul makes this clear uh, two chapters over in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, Paul says, um, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So if, if you notice in that verse, those, those, that verse there, Paul uses this kind of the, this athletic type language like he's talking about a, probably a chair race or probably a foot race here. And so in, in order to go forward, not only in a, in a foot race, but in our own Christian life, in order to go forward, we have to forget what's behind and we have to press on, strain to what's in front. The whole point here is Paul is saying as believers, there's things that, that the enemy wants to hinder us with, right, all the time. Bringing up the past, anything that will tangle us up in our Christian walk. A good passage, passage that goes along with this is Hebrews 12. Good passage to read. But our focus in right praying has to be, God, you are so great. You are beyond any worry or problem that I have. So when it comes to right praying, the first thing we do, again, is worship. We must see the greatness of God. The second one is petition. In other words, we're, we're sharing our needs, our problems with God. You know, I, I had the chance, is obviously, I I'm, I'm, know I'm preaching on Sunday night, so uh, um, I'm, I'm exercising this whole thing this in, in my own life. And uh, if I can be just transparent just for a minute, is uh, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm with God and I'm, I'm worshiping Him and I'm, I'm praying. And, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I, I get to the point to where I'm, I'm talking to him about maybe worry in my life. And to be honest with you, at first, not a lot comes up. And then longer I sit with him and think about any stresses or even what we would call small worries, it's amazing then the things that come up that begin to lay on your shoulders that maybe you compartmentalized. You know, us men, I know, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but we're really good at compartmentalizing things. It's kind of like the world says, you know what, it's, it's just life. You've got to deal with it, right? Well, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying what about anxious? Don't be anxious for anything. And so in order for us to do this, in order for us to rid our life of continual worry that seems to overtake us many times, there has to be this continual ridding of worry in our life. And that comes through prayer, Paul says. The more you are in prayer and you put him at face-to-face, -face, number one, he is able. And then second, you bring him these things of worry. These are the steps to eliminate worry in your life. Let me just stop for a second because I want to tell you something. Let's just... Why do we want to eliminate worry in our life? Well, let me tell you why. We were never designed to carry worry in our life. 
We're never designed and we're never created to carry these things. That's why we're so bad at it. But we were designed by God when we uh, experience worry. We were designed to give that over to him. And that's what we're talking about. So we're never created even to harbor it and to, to put it on our back and to carry it, but to give it over to him. You know, when it, when it comes to big and little things in our life, we're, we're so, uh, many times we're so open to pray about big things, what we call big things in our life, and, and to forget to pray about the so-called little things until they get big enough to become big things in our life. And talking with God and uh, about what's going on in our life and what's worrying us, even the smallest things, it's amazing what God will do and bring those off of our back and give us a peace that Paul is talking about here so we can rejoice in the Lord always. Remember, he repeats himself. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What's the biggest killer of that? Is worry. We're not designed to carry the worry. We're, we are designed to rejoice. Let's think about the church in Philippi. Second missionary journey of Paul. He plants this uh, church in Philippi. You can go back to Acts 16. You can see that. It's one church there. Paul wants them in every way to demonstrate who God is. And so he says, you, you, listen, you've got to rejoice. Because there is a God that loves you. And if you demonstrate that, there, there'll be others that want to come in contact with God, right? You're, you are it. You are it. So when it comes to right praying, it's, uh, it's focusing on God that he can. Two, it's bringing things to him that are worrying us. And the third one is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You, you would think that would be easy, but when you think about passages like uh, uh, Luke 17, 11 through 19, that's where Jesus, he's healed the, the 10 people who had leprosy. If you remember, only one of those guys came back and thanked Jesus for that. Well, it was so important to Jesus that, well, he put it in Scripture. Paul puts it here. He puts it here because thanking God for what he's done and who he is, is important. Uh, let me tell you about someone who I would, there's people that we always want to meet. Like when I get to heaven, I really want to meet, you know, I want to meet Daniel. And Daniel, Daniel chapter six, it's amazing. Here's a great example of what we're talking about. Great example for, for this passage. In the book of Daniel chapter, chapter six, we see a perfect example, of course, Daniel. And Daniel, um, he, he, he's always, he's praying uh, at least three times a day. He's continually praying to God. And uh, that's why he gets into some trouble is because he's literally praying, right? In Daniel chapter 6. His, uh, the people that he so-called kind of work with in that passage, they conspired against him. Even his, his say, boss which was the king, ordered him to the lion's den. I mean, th these are lions who were in well practice, right? Uh, the, the lions knew what they were doing. 
If you could put yourself in the midst of that picture, Daniel's in the lion's den. Worry is right in front of him with teeth, right? And later in the chapter, it, it, it describes the lions as crushing the bones of people. So they've had a, a record of this. And then something happens. There was this, in the lion's end, there was this perfect peace in the midst of this difficult situation. And Daniel was able to spend the night with the lions in perfect peace while the king in his palace couldn't even sleep that night. That's just remarkable. Don't miss that. That tells us that it doesn't matter where we are, W-H-E-R-E, where we are. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life. It doesn't matter how big the, the, the problem or the worry is in our life, like Daniel we can be more at peace within feet of that worry than someone who is in another place supposedly comforted, completely worrying, and not able to eat or sleep. Daniel had perfect peace. So it's, it's, it's right praying that will, will give us this, this peace of God which... Well, it transcends all understanding. I mean, you, you can't understand that. When you talk about Daniel, there's, there's a peace there that Daniel had that you can't even explain. Maybe you've had that happen in your own life, like a person who maybe who has cancer, uh, and their cancer has been contained, and they may say, they may say, I, I'm so thankful to God. That's praise. Praise. But a person who is dying of cancer and in pain may calmly say, everything's okay. The Lord doesn't make mistakes. I have peace in my heart. Now that, that's peace that passes all understanding. That's a peace that you can't find here that comes from above, Right? As I, I look across the, the room, I, I know there's, I know many of you have, have seen and experienced that peace in your own life. So right praying, uh, Paul, again, he says, you want to defeat, you want to have victory over worry. Number one is you have to have right praying. Number two is right thinking, right thinking. You see that in verse eight, uh, Paul lists uh, here a string of great words here that should replace worry in our own life. But I would argue that the, the first one is the king of them all, and that is thinking what is true, thinking what is true. When it comes to worrying, we have right praying, we have right thinking, and right thinking is important. We have to think what is true. Wrong thinking, it, it leads to wrong feelings, and before long, the heart and mind are all pulled apart, and we're strangled by worry. Our thoughts they're real and powerful. Even though they can't be seen, weighed, or, or measured, we, we must bring our thoughts 
into captivity. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us that. So let me tell you some truths. Let me tell you some truths. Here's a truth here. Dr. Walter uh, Cabot, he reported a survey on, on worry that indicated that only, get this, only 8% of the things people worried about were actually legit. Isn't that amazing? So the other 92% of what people worry about is either imaginary, it either, or it never happened, or it involved things that they couldn't even control. Out of 100%, only 8% was legit to worry about. That's truth. Here's some more truth. Think about this. As believers, if you've given your life to Christ, one of the, the biggest worries in our life, even as believers, could be the worry of, of death. But we know that our Savior has taken that away from me. I mean, physically we die, but we're raised with Him. He has the power and the strength not only to raise Himself on the third day that we know, but He has the power and strength through Jesus Christ to raise us. And so think about this logically. Here's some truth. If that's true, if, 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 if we don't have to be afraid of, of death, which is the biggest um, worry situation or off, then, then what is left for us to be afraid of or worry about? If God in his, his great power is able to conquer death and has already conquered death, then what lesser situation, what lesser problems should we worry about in life? The answer is nothing. He's already demonstrated his power and his strength in order to take care of worry in our own life. Here's some more truth. This is exactly where the gospel has victory over worry. See, the Bible tells us that before Christ, we had no hope. And therefore, we had every reason to worry. But then, Romans 5, 8 tells us, God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's some more truth. John 8, 44. John 8, 44 characterizes the enemy. He says that you belong to the father of the devil, um, and you want to carry out the father's desire. And this is what he says. He says, this, this is the enemy here. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's the truth. So we have to have right praying, right thinking. And then lastly, Paul says in these verses, right living. He, he demonstrates in verse 9, he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or even in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You know what Paul's saying here is, I'll be an example. You be an example. Be an example of to others in their life. Live it out. 
Let's see it displayed. Let's, let's see it displayed in, in our marriages. Let's see it displayed in our relationships. Let's, let's see it displayed in our church. Let's see it displayed in our community. And remember, in the midst of him talking about all of this, he's also talking about mature believers who have conflict. There's a connection there. There's a safeguard. If you're being gentle and you have right praying, right thinking, right living, and you're eliminating these worries and fears, there's a connection there to even conflict in our own life. I think it was probably about a week ago, and maybe you've done this, but I I was, um, you know, you could be walking on the sidewalk or maybe uh, just walking out back, maybe walking on a beach. Have you ever done this? And you're outside, and all of a sudden, you look up, and you're like, whoa, man, wow, what a beautiful sky. You ever done that? And you realize really quick that you've been living your life at about eight feet up. You know what I'm talking about? I think in some ways, if we don't watch it, we're, 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 we're living that eight foot up. And I think that's where worry lives. And God, um, he has more for us as believers than to carry the weight of worry in our lives, which eliminates, which destroys, which eats at the joy in our life. Again, we were not designed to, to carry worry, but we were designed to give it over to a God who can. Amen. I'm not sure if tonight if um, what's happened in every individual person's life, but if you think about the many situations in life, usually there's always something in our life that's twisting and turning and, and making us worry about even small things that God wants us to give over to him. I'm not sure where you're at tonight, but uh, you may be here and uh, you just need to get alone with God in, in, in your own prayer time, even tonight as we pray. You may be here and you've never given your life to Christ. The great news is the gospel is good. God is good. Maybe here and you've never joined the church before. That's something that you want to do tonight. We'd love for you to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. Thank you for loving us the way you you have and you do right now. And you will tomorrow. Father, only you can point out things in our life that we need to cast to you. Father, we pray right now that um, would you show us uh, a joy-filled life that you want us to live rather than a life that only this world wants us to live? We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.